You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's talk about the Asia-Pacific region with specific reference, of course, to investing in that particular geography, that particular jurisdiction. With me now is Charlie Dutton, who's a portfolio manager in the Asia-Pacific franchise at 91. And Charlie, we, we spoke about seven, eight months ago, something like that. And I think what we touched on during that time was the fact that uh, investing in Asia and Southeast Asia has historically meant investing in capital-intensive and manufacturing companies. But the emergence of quality in Asia has been catching up in recent years. First of all, before you say why that has happened, just please define quality for us. Hi, Lindsay, and thanks for having me on, on the show. It's a pleasure. Um, we define quality as you know, companies which we think have key attributes which enable them to achieve very high returns on, on capital over a sustained period of time. And, and what that means is that the, the market normally assumes that if you achieve very high returns, that's going to encourage competition and people will come seeking that, those high returns as that competition comes into those areas, those returns will diminish, and that's what's assumed by the market. We look for companies which we believe are able to sustain those high returns over time and, and as a result get rewarded by the market. And I imagine your universe, your target universe, is not only large at the moment, but becoming larger by the day, the week, the month, and the year. So you must have a busy job, but also a very exciting job. I was talking to Michael Power, one of your colleagues at 91 in Cape Town, and we spoke about China yesterday. How dominant a player is China in the region we're talking about? I mean, it's extremely dominant. I mean, you're, you're looking at a, a country which has had extraordinary growth over the last decade, but... You know, particularly in the last uh, couple of years, it's probably the only large country globally which actually grew its GDP in, in 2020, while obviously everyone else saw significant declines. But importantly, not only is it growing on a headline basis, but the internal structural growth which is occurring is fascinating. And that's really coming through in those kind of key areas of consumption growth, looking at the IT sector, e-commerce in particular, and, and the other internet giants but also within the healthcare sector. As you can imagine, you've been seeing a lot of headlines recently about the the aging population in China. And obviously, they're having to invest a significant amount in their healthcare sector going forward. So very exciting opportunities for for us in that sense, but also for the rest of the region, because as China grows, that growth is also portrayed around the region. There's a lot of uh, inter-regional trade which is occurring, and the likes of Korea, Taiwan, Hong Kong, obviously, are very uh, involved in the Chinese growth um, outlook. Let me employ my lateral thinking part of my brain now and talk about the fact that if China is so dominant, maybe people focus on China, and perhaps that allows other countries within the region uh, to be not ignored, but not quite as specifically focused upon, and therefore their valuations are not quite as uh, glamorous or generous as the the Chinese ones are. Do you see what I mean? In other words, because people just look at China because of their dominance uh, economically, there are nuggets to be found elsewhere. Absolutely. I think you're you're spot on there. You've got to remember, you've got something like somewhere like India, which has got uh, extraordinary growth prospects going forward. And you could argue as 5, 10, 15, 20 years behind where, where China currently is. And it's got that all the growth sequences and all the structural change sequences that we have seen occur in China has still to come through in India. Uh, but you're absolutely right. And, and there are also specialty areas which, which the Chinese are not so strong at at the moment. So you know, if you're looking at something like the semiconductor sector, 
Taiwan and Korea absolutely dominate that sector, both in terms of logic and in terms of memory. And the Chinese are really struggling to catch up in that particular area. So there are growth uh, kind of paradigms elsewhere in the region, which so I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be ignored, Lindsay, but are certainly benefiting from what is happening in China, but also able to provide something which the Chinese can't do themselves yet. Over the last year or so, there's been a rotation to more cyclical names after a strong couple of years for quality, especially post-COVID falls in March. Uh, do you think this trend will continue, this momentum will continue? I certainly think it's, it can continue in the short term if you're looking at, at what's happening to you know, the commodity cycles, where you're looking at in terms of yields, etc. Um, and so you know, those commodity stocks can, can do well in the short term, uh, similarly on the financials and other kind of deeper cyclical areas. At the end of the day, though, a lot of those businesses do invest in very cyclical businesses, obviously, which means that their returns on capital through the cycle uh, can be pretty poor. So while I feel that the value sector and that, that kind of momentum within the, that cyclical sector can do well on a short-term basis, effectively what's happening there, though, is that it, it's a valuation catch-up which is occurring it doesn't mean that the quality of those businesses has actually improved. So yes, there can be a valuation catch up, but over the cycle and on the longer term basis, uh, I still see that those high quality businesses, which are able to earn very high returns on investor capital, reinvest at those very high levels and therefore secure future growth will outperform. Have you felt compelled to rejig your portfolio over the extraordinary period that we've just endured. And, and in fact, I keep saying about six to nine months ago or a year ago, but it's been much longer than that. It's actually been almost a year and a half ago when the pandemic, the global health crisis started to take hold. Have you said to yourself, right, because of this, we have to do this uh, because of change in spending patterns and uh, human behavior, we've got to do something different. In other words, in that convoluted way, I'll sort of condense it. Have you changed your portfolio shift? Lizzie, good question. And no, we haven't. And, and for the simple reason being that the types of stocks that we're in don't have that cyclicality. They're in structural growth areas, as I say, within the consumer area, within healthcare, within, within IT. But what does happen when you, when you get an extraordinary period of time like this, when you get a dislocation in the market, as we did in, in February and March last year, is it does enable you to pick up stocks at very cheap levels. So there are a number of businesses which we owned, which we, which we liked, but we thought the valuations were on the higher level of, of what we'd like to pay. And when you got that dislocation in the markets in February and March last year, and we've seen it occur at other periods as well, it enables us to really upgrade the portfolio in terms of the quality parameters within it and also the growth parameters. So, so we look for that dislocation as, a, as an opportune moment to, to really take advantage of, of market weakness and, and upgrade the portfolio. But on an overall basis, what I would say is that yeah, there hasn't been a, a significant change. And the fact there hasn't been a significant change means that we, we have been doing what we say on the tin, which is in investing in the long term in companies which we, we believe will grow through the cycle. And therefore, independent of the cycle, we want to own them. Good. And own them you do. The final question is, what do you see as the future of investing in this region? I don't want to play one region off against another. I don't want to say, well, the Eurozone's doing this, uh, the United States of America, North America is doing that, and the Asia-Pacific region is, is doing this. But on the other hand, do you think that the future of investing in the region in which you specialize looks set fair? <laughs> you, can, you can never say never, as, as we know, as we've been in this for too long. But when you look at what is driving 
growth in the region at the moment, it, it's very, very high quality. And, and what I mean by that is that yeah, this isn't about um, massive increases in, the, in level of debt, uh, which is what we've seen uh, elsewhere in the world, but whether that's at a corporate or, or a sovereign level. Um, it isn't about uh, yeah, sharp cyclical upturns. It isn't about uh, you know, very strong demographic trends. The primary driver of growth in Asia at the moment is productivity gains. And, and that's some of the highest quality growth that you can have. So it's a question of, you know, and I've, we've talked about this previously, but in 2020, China spent more on R&D cumulatively than America did. And what that results in is that they are spending more in terms of higher quality products, in terms of moving up uh, the, the product curve, in terms of the technology curve as well. And that means that they are getting higher margin uh, products out of the door. They are able to sell much higher margin products. It's much more of a service perspective within the industry, within the economy overall. And when you get that type of those quality trends coming through, that reflects in GDP growth. But it also means that it's not short term, that it can be maintained on a longer term basis. So in that sense, yeah, we're very positive on the outlook for, for, for Asia and China in, in particular. Charlie, on that positive note, we'll leave it. Thank you very much for your time. That's Charlie Dutton, who's Portfolio Manager, Asia Pacific Franchise 91. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.